Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Hallelujah. You know, I want to look at some things tonight that might help you in all that's not only going on in the world, in our nation, but also will help you with the Word of God. Uh, you know, it's been, it's been several uh, weeks ago that we, we taught a lesson called The Anatomy of a Lie. You know, one of the most amazing things is we're in the shape we're in because of a lie. And I'm not talking about us as a government or, or you know, you as a person. I'm talking about the human family itself is in the place that it's in because of a lie, a lie that was told over 6,000 years ago. And, and it's amazing uh, uh, you would think if you could get, you know, two people uh, in, a, in, a, in a, a pristine environment of God where, where God showed up every day in His presence and His power and walked and fellowshiped with those two people, uh, that they would be uh, less subject to a lie than anybody else. But always remember this, that, that, that one thing about God is God made all of the spirit beings both created and procreated. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, there is a group of spirit beings that are not procreated. They're created beings. Those are the angelic host in which two-thirds of them still serve God and are, and are, and are literally uh, the, uh, what would you call it, the servants of those that are heirs of salvation, Hebrews chapters 1 and 2. Amen? Then there are those, uh, one-third of the angels, uh, that fell with Lucifer or with Satan also, created beings. Uh, uh, none of those, uh, the angelic host, the demonic host, do not procreate. Humanity does. Humanity is the only one that does that. So therefore you have, uh, in the spirit realm, you have created beings and we have procreated. We're in the procreated class. God and the angelic host and the demonic host are in the created. Well, I don't know about God. That's a question that we'd have to answer some other time. But, but all of those that he has created remain in those two classifications. Now, with that in mind, we must understand that, that in that garden, one of the ways a lie was propagated upon Eve, it began with Eve, but it also went uh, into the man who was the one in authority, so it had the most effect upon the man. Because the woman at any time, uh, I mean the man at any time could have interceded uh, for the woman because God put the man in charge. Amen. Uh, now, notice this. We're not going to go to Genesis. We're going to go to Hebrews in just a moment. We're not going to go to Genesis and look at it. But what's amazing about that is, is one of the things that the enemy did was to get her eyes off everything that she did have and get her eyes on the one thing that she could not have. And with that which she could not have, the enemy produced a dissatisfaction on the inside of her. Now, dissatisfaction is a very strong force. That's why you've got to beware in your life if you're in a place of dissatisfaction. Because if you're in a place, you say, well, man, I'm so dissatisfied with my job or not dissatisfied with my marriage or, or dissatisfied because I'm not married or, or dissatisfied for the... Listen, you've got to be so careful with dissatisfaction because many times it is dissatisfaction that will open the door for deception. Amen? You say, what do you mean by that? It's just something about being dissatisfied that gets your eyes off what you do have and gets your eyes on either what you don't have or what you cannot have. Now, in the midst of that garden, one thing the enemy did was to get her eyes out of the spirit and into the natural. Showed her all the trees. Showed her the tree that she couldn't eat of. Showed her, got her, got, began to use all of those uh, natural things. Now listen, uh, the, the same thing is true today. The enemy is always about getting your eyes on natural things. 
Because if he can get your eyes on natural things, he can get your eyes off of spiritual things. One thing unique about us as human beings is we do not have the ability to focus on both at one time. I mean, you may try, but I've tried many times. It don't work. You're either focused on the natural or you're focused on the spirit, period. I mean, you've either got your eyes open spiritually or you've got them closed spiritually, and you've got them open naturally or closed spiritually. See what I'm saying? You can't do them both at the same time. So the best thing to do is to strive to keep your eyes open spiritually. So it says over in 2 Corinthians, for we look not at things that are seen, but are things that are unseen. You say, Pastor, how in the world do we keep our eyes on unseen things? Well, we keep our eyes on the Word. Amen. What's it say there in Proverbs 4? Uh, 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 my son, attend to my word and climb thine ears unto it, saying, Let it not depart from thine eyes. Keep it in the midst of my heart. Uh, Joshua 1, uh, excuse me, jo- yeah, Joshua 1 says, Let it not depart from your mouth. So keep the word in your eyes and in your mouth, and I guarantee you, you'll keep your eyes on the spirit and not on the natural. And listen, on the natural, you're going to be so subject to dissatisfaction. You're going to be so dis, uh, subject to discouragement. You're going to be so uh, subject to say, well, Pastor, you just got to look at things for the way they are. No, you don't. Who says that? Amen. Who says you have to look at things for the way they are? I say you ought to look at things the way the Word says they are. You say, well, that's just a fantasy to try to do. No, no it's not. No, it's not. It's actually embracing truth and giving truth the preeminence in your life instead of giving the lie the preeminence in your life. You say, well, what, what, what lie are you talking about? It could be any lie. It could be a lie that says you're not saved, even though you know you are. It could be a lie that, a lie that says you're not healed, even though you know you are. It could be a lie that says God's not going to bless you or prosper, even though you've been tithing and offering and doing everything you know to do to prosper. See, those things are lies the enemy tries to formulate to get us in a place of dissatisfaction because in a place of dissatisfaction, deception will follow. And we live, listen, we're living in a time in which there are a lot, a lot, a lot of people who are deceived. I'm talking about Christians. I saw a statistic the other day because I saw it on a, on a previous study that took place between the year 1970 and the year 2000. Then I saw another one that took place from the year 2000 to the year 2015. From the year 2000 to the year 2015, 60% of every person that went to church in this nation quit going to church. I mean, six out of ten. That means only four out of ten continue to go to church. Amen? That means two-thirds of our church is not even here tonight because they got dissatisfied and they got deceived. Amen? I mean, statistics don't lie. They say the church is one of the fastest dying entities in the United States today. But listen, we don't look at that. If we looked at that, we'd get dissatisfied. We look at the opposite. We look at the harvest. We look at the nations we're working in. We're looking at all that we desire to do to get people saved and healed and empowered with the Holy Ghost. We don't look at what statistics tell us because if we do, we're going to have an opportunity to get deceived and dissatisfied. Amen. Amen. Now, go to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter Hebrews chapter 6. There in first verse 13. Hebrews 6, verse 13. It says, For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could not swear by no greater, he swore by himself. Uh, one translation says this, he could, make a, he could make an oath to no greater person than himself. Now, now listen, people, that almost, in, in the context of humanity, that would sound very conceited and arrogant. 
Don't you think? Somebody come to say, well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make an oath and I can't make it by the government. Or somebody, say somebody went to the, to the court of law and they said, lay your hand on the Bible and swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And they say, no, I'm not going to lay the hand on the Bible. I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to tell the whole truth and uh, nothing but the truth because I say I am. Well, people would think, oh, you're awful conceited. You're kind of full of yourself, you know. But see, God is not a human being. God is a divine being. The Bible says, listen, He does all things after the counsel of His own will. That means He gets His counsel from Himself. God is wisdom, God is light, and God is truth. Now, one of the things we must understand about God being true, you say, well, how can you say God is truth? Well, over there in John chapter 14, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He didn't say, I'm going to show you the way, I'm going to tell you the truth, and I'm going to give you life. He said, I am, I am, I am. And Jesus is the direct reflection of God. So if Jesus is truth, then God is truth. Now, that's, that's a lot of our philosophers and and, and, and educators and people that, you know, get into these deep subjects and these great thinkers, what is truth? You know, what is, well, truth is very simple to figure out. It's not that hard to figure out what truth is. Truth is a word with a corresponding action that agrees with that word. Any word that has something that corresponds to it. Uh, uh, if I say to, uh, to Brother Roland, I'm going to give you a dollar, and I'll reach in my pocket and give him a dollar, I've told him the truth, and I've demonstrated it. Truth is a demonstrated force. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, whenever truth is in manifestation, then there's something that goes along with it. You say, what is it? It's the demonstration of what that truth proclaims. The Bible says that Jesus is a Savior. If you get born again, you'll see that there is a corresponding truth to being born again that starts in the unseen and shows up in the seen. You literally end up with proof of the truth. Amen. How many have got a little proof of the truth with your salvation? Amen. Proof of the truth when it comes to healing. Proof of the truth when it comes to prosperity. The different things that God has provided for us, there is proof of this. Now listen, no other God can make that claim. And I've really never heard any other God make that claim. I've never heard the Muslims talk about Muhammad being the truth. I've never heard the Hindus talk about their, what, two point something millions of God. Well, they, they are the truth. No, they're not. I've never heard them talk about Buddha being the truth. Now, they may have a philosophy. They may lead to enlightenment. They may have this or that. But they have no element of truth because you can't say, oh, I prayed to, to Buddha the other day because I saw in there that he was going to do this or that. And now look what he's done. You don't, see, you don't hear testimonies about like that. You don't hear testimonies of Muhammad healing somebody. You say, well, there's no truth in them. Hmm. I don't know if I ought to say that or not. The deceptive gods of this world are all, are all finding their power or existence in lies. Because You say, how can you say Because there's not but one true God. There's not but one true God. This is one of the most amazing phenomenons in, in the earth today. We serve and worship a God not even unique to our geographical location. 
Come on, not even unique to our geographic, not even unique to any, unless, unless somebody in here is Jewish. And if you're Jewish, well, praise God. Thank God for your Messianic revelation. Amen. But it's really not even unique to any of our ethnic identity. It's not relevant at all to the time period in which we live. There's not been any other scripture written for over 2,000 years. So we're in here tonight talking about an entity we cannot see who was established 12,000 and something miles from here. Come on, church. In another, quote, race of people. And here we are gathering together, worshiping Him, celebrating Him. It's either truth or we're the biggest fools on this planet. Come on. But it is. It's truth. He is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. Now, understanding that He is the truth and that His Word is the carrier or the bearer of that truth, we must understand when God says something, no matter what contradicts what He says, what He says is the truth. This will help get you healed. You say, why is that? The Bible says, by His stripes ye were healed. means it's already been established, already been done, already been gotten for you. So everything in your body, everything the doctor says, and everything in your medicine cabinet may testify to you that that is not true. But God said it, and we'll see in just a minute, He cannot lie. It's not that He's such a good being up in heaven that He's made a choice. I'm not going to lie to those people. That's not true. The Bible says three things unique about the identity of God. He is light. Everybody say, He is light. That means everywhere He goes, the lights are on. Amen? He is life. That means everywhere He goes, life just springs up. Everywhere He walks, life just springs up. I've heard testimonies of heaven, um, uh, uh, of people that have died. There was a little boy that died and, and, and went to heaven that, that our previous pastors from years ago, Mom and Dad Goodwin, were kind of impressed with his testimony. He was seven years old and was electrocuted and was dead for so many hours. And, then, and, then, and for some reason, he just came back to life and was spent like an hour and a half or two hours in heaven. And he told Mom Goodwin, he said, it's amazing. He says, when the angels start worshiping, then the flowers start worshiping. Then the grass starts worshiping. He says, everything in heaven, everything in heaven. And he says, as they worship, it gets brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. And brighter as everything in heaven worships God. You say, what? Because He's light and He's life. Amen? But He's also truth. So if He says it, now listen to me. If He says, by His stripes ye were healed, then you are healed. That's the truth. And see, your natural mind goes counter to that, especially if you've got symptoms in your body that tell you, well, you're not healed. You've got to take this medication. You've got to go take this, uh, this treatment. Uh, you're, this is how your body feels. Why, well, you're not healed. But see, you must understand, it doesn't matter what the circumstances say. The Word says you are healed, and that's the truth. Amen. And your ability to apply that truth to the situation is your walk of faith. It's your walk of faith. Now notice this. For when God made promise to Abraham. Now what did he promise Abraham? He promised him a son. Promised him, I'll bless those that bless you. I'll curse those that curse you. In all your seed shall all of the earth be blessed. So shall thy seed be as innumerable as the stars in the sky and of the sand of the, sand of the desert. Amen? He said, uh, a saying 
Surely blessing, I will bless thee, and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Now that's speaking of Abraham. So after Abraham had patiently endured, he obtained, we could just say it like this, the truth. He obtained the truth. So we must understand, and I'll, and I'll help you with this, the truth is something to be obtained. Now let me say that again. The truth is something to be obtained. We've always done this. We've always used the facts and the truth. You know, the, the fact is the doctor has said, or the fact is your finances, or the fact is the fact, but the truth is, but the truth is. Okay, the truth must be obtained, which means the facts really don't care whether you believe them or not. They're just going to show up. They're just going to show up. It doesn't matter. This is just the fact. This is the way it is. This is the fact. But you must make a decision to go after the truth, to embrace the truth, and to apply the truth, and then to endure patiently till the truth sets you free. Did you get that? Did you get that? Because it's really that simple. You say, what do you mean by that? The fact is, there's pain, there's sickness, there's something working in your body that's not of God. The truth is, by His stripes you were healed. So you embrace the truth. How? By observing, seeing, assimilating, speaking, receiving, and standing on it. Well, how long? As long as it takes. Patiently enduring. You say patiently enduring what? The process in which you're standing in the truth even though the facts are counter to what the truth says. Amen. We don't like that. That's an invasion of our comfort zone. Could we hire someone to do that for us? The pastor's supposed to do it. <laughs> no, I can't do it for you. Amen. You have to endure. And it is that endurance. You ever notice an endurance? I remember when, when uh, football season was over when I played football one year in high school, my, my ninth year of high school, and, and we started track. And I was a high jumper. I was the shortest high jumper in the Pasadena Independent School District. And on the, my freshman team, when I was a freshman, I was on the junior varsity team. And I got second place in our district meet. And I was the shortest guy. I, could, I just had springy legs. I could jump. But I could not run long distances. So what happened was, is we were supposed to run. I went to South Houston High School. From South Houston High School, a down, down Shaver Street, and through this neighborhood, and back, back up to an to a, to a, a elementary school called Pearl Hall, and then back across all these fields to the athletic field of South Houston High School. It was about three and a half to four miles. Well, after about a mile, me and a few of my buddies started hitchhiking. <laughs> and as we were hitchhiking a car pulled over and we ran up to that car and opened the door and it was Coach Pittman <laughs> who three pops later convinced us we should not be hitchhiking amen well, I had no endurance for that. I just couldn't, you know, I just couldn't. It's hard to run a long distance with a Marlboro in your mouth. Might as well be honest, amen. But there's some guys, they got the legs, they got the lungs, they take off, and it seems like the further they run, the faster they go. 
Amen? There's some type of physical endurance built into them. But you have to understand, it doesn't matter how long you've been able to not endure the fight of faith. What empowers your endurance in the kingdom is your exposure to the Word of God in spiritual things. Listen, the more you come to church, the more you can endure. The more you embrace the Word, the more you can endure. The more you pray in the Spirit, the more you can endure. I'll tell you this financially. We've proved this in our own life. When we get down financially, the more we give, the more we're able to endure till the promise comes into our life. Sometimes that's not easy. It takes some endurance, and endurance takes trust, and the Word of God is what builds trust into you. I'm going to tell you this. You can trust God. I said you can trust God. He is faithful to His Word because He is not a God that lies. He's a God that tells the truth and is the truth. Amen. Now notice this. After he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Isaac was born. For verily... For men verily swear by the greater an oath for confirmation is to them to the end of all, all strife. Now let me read that in the Amplified. I like it better in the Amplified. Men indeed swear by a greater than themselves. And with them in all disputes the oath taken for confirmation is the final or the ending of strife. That means the fight's over. That means if men can find something greater than themselves... Isn't it still amazing that we require people in America to put their hand on the Bible? Now, why do they do that? Because they feel like that if a person does that, they should have enough conscience to them or enough moral fiber. Now, that's the problem with society is we rely on moral fiber, which we have very little left of. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, there's been a lot of people that's put their hand on that Bible and lied. Amen. But why do they go through the ritual? Because they're trusting that by someone swearing with their hand upon that Bible, that that's going to end the strife of the situation because that person is bound by that word to tell the truth. Amen. Well, we know people violate that all the time. So, you know, that's, that's, that's between them and God. We'll just put it that way. But here's something we must understand is when you make a decision to accept the truth at face value and know that by that truth, I don't know if swear is a good enough word there, but by that truth, you're making a decision to adhere to that word no matter what your senses tell you, no matter how many zeros you have in your bank account, no matter what they're telling you at your job or what's going on in your business, but you have made a decision to stand on the truth of the word of God then that puts an end to all strife. We just say it like this, the fight's over. I said the fight's over. You say, how can you say that? Well, go back and study what we studied last week. You enter into rest. You say, well, it's settled. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not worrying about it anymore. I'm not touching it in my thought life. If I do, all I do is worship God. I'm just glorifying Him, magnifying the Lord, exalting the Lord. The Lord gave me a message Sunday morning I'd never preached before. And we had, it was a part of about three different messages with some good revelation that God had just given me mixed in there. And that was this. This was the point. That there comes a point in your life when you must make a decision to come to the place where you've made a decision, this is it, this is mine, I've got it, period. And from then on, you don't fight the fight anymore. You say, what do you mean don't fight the fight? 
every posture you make toward any thought is worship. You say, what do you mean? You just worship God. Thank you, Father, that I'm healed. Thank you, Father, that I'm healed. And the devil's saying, you're not healed. And you said, I ain't talking to you, devil. And your body says, you're not healed. Say, I ain't talking. I've already talked to you, body. I've already talked to you about this devil. I've already talked to you about this mind. I'm not talking to you anymore. I've rolled this over on the Lord. I am the healed of God. I don't care what my Bible, I don't care what my body tells me. The Word of God, which is truth, says I am healed. I remember a, a story in one of uh, the books about Smith Wigglesworth that a, a woman, uh, he laid hands on her and said, you're healed in Jesus' name. And she had some disease that was, you could see it, some kind of skin disease or something like that. And so, you know, every year he would come back to this same church and she would get up and testify. Oh, I thank God. Last year, when Brother Wigglesworth came, laid hands on me, I was healed. And then the next year he would come. Oh, I thank God that, 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 that uh, uh, two years ago, when Brother Wigglesworth was here, I was healed by the power of God. And then the third year she came, he came. He said, she got up and testified again. Oh, I just want to thank God. I want to thank God that three years ago, when Brother Wigglesworth was here, I was healed by the power of Almighty God. And then she stopped a minute and she said, now, to convince all these doubters, I just believe I receive right now. And instantly, right in front of all their eyes, she was healed. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, she was healed three years ago, but it manifested right then and there. But she had lived three years just like she did in the moment in which healing took place. Amen. Truth empowers you to live in the moment in which your manifestation will take place. That's the only way you can believe you receive and you shall have it because you have embraced the truth that empowers you to live in that moment in which you believe you receive because you shall have it. It's none of your business. It's God's. So you better have some power that can help you stay there. Mm -mm -mm. I better be careful. Verse 17, wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise, who are the heirs of promise? Everybody say, that's us. The immutability of his, of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible, now notice this, impossible for God to lie. You say, why? What we just said a moment ago. He is not a being with so much holiness and so much righteousness, because he has all holiness and all, but he's not someone that possesses so much character of deity that he always chooses. When there is a choice to tell the truth or to tell a lie, he always chooses to tell the truth. That's not God. You say, what do you mean? If it comes out of his mouth, it is the truth. Amen. He cannot lie. It does not say he will not lie. It says he cannot lie. Amen. Well, that one, I tell you, that one scripture there will get you healed. That one scripture right there will get you set free. You say, well, we'll say, Pastor, I'm telling you, I'm still upset. He cannot lie. Now, I've heard some preachers say it tough. So I have to pastor, so I can't say it like that no more. Amen. I've got a pastor, so I, but I've heard some preachers say it like this. He cannot lie. He cannot lie. By his stripes, you were healed. If you get up and say, well, I'm sick, that's a lie. That's a lie. I don't care what you say, what your body says, what your doctor says. By his stripes, you were healed. And that's the truth. You say, well, how can you? When God said it, that established it. Amen? Now, let, let me help you. Jesus went to the cross. He took stripes upon his back for your healing. He died and he rose from the dead. If we did not have word on it, 
the power of it would not be relevant. Now, how many people went to the cross that we have no documentation of? Thousands. There was one incident, I think it was Nero, that lined the 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 20-something mile stretch as you came into Rome, both sides. Now, could you imagine 20 miles, both sides, with crosses, with Christians hanging on it? No documentation? You say, why? Because there's only one who died and rose from the dead. Died and rose from the dead. That if his act were documented, it would be truth. Not just, well, I'm going to share the facts uh, uh, of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord. No, it's not the facts of the death, burial, and resurrection. It's the truth of the death, burial, and resurrection. Always remember this when it comes to facts and truth. Facts are changeable. Truth never changes. Facts, the fact is it's a balmy, you know, 80 degrees outside. Uh, It'll change. Give it a month. Give it two months. Give it six months. Give it ten months and we'll be back to 95 every day. Facts are always changeable. Amen. But truth is established. Reality. It's the truth. I'm telling you, it's not a fact that the sun's going to come up every morning. It's the truth. Amen. It's not, a, it's, not a, it's, not a, it's not a fact that it comes up in the east and sets in the west. It's the truth. Amen. So when you begin to realize, you say, well, how can you say? Well, it's the way God built it and made it. But he also, as, as listen, as true or as truth is, as it as true is true as the sun coming up, in the east, so is it truth that you're healed. I'm going to let that sink in a minute. What's, the, what's that word in Psalm? Sheila? Sheila? Say it? Yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> now notice, let me get back to my scripture before I get... By two immutable things, that which it was impossible for God to lie that we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. Now, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into, now listen, that within the veil, whether the forerunner is For us entered even Jesus, made high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now let me read it it in the Amplified. I love this in the Amplified. Listen to this. Let me go all the way back up to verse 18. This was so that by two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath, in which it is impossible for God to, ever to prove false or deceive us. We who have fled to Him for refuge might have a mighty indwelling strength and strong encouragement to grasp and hold fast the hope or expectancy appointed for us and set before us. Now we have this hope as a sure Steadfast anchor 
of the soul. It cannot slip. It cannot break down under whoever steps out upon it. A hope that reaches further and enters into the very certainty of the presence within the veil. Where Jesus has entered in for us in advance, a forerunner having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now notice this is what it's saying. It said, now God has given us his truth, which creates in us a steadfast expectancy that in this person of Jesus Christ, we have someone, listen, oh, this is, if you get this, someone who knows us personally. Now let me say that again. Someone who knows, you say, well, doesn't God know us personally? Yes, this is how he knows us personally. Who knows us personally. That's why when you talk about God, 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 that's a universal, a universal expression. But when you talk about Jesus, that's why it's so controversial. That's why they don't want you praying in that name. That's why they reject it is because when it comes to Jesus, it becomes personal. So you've got this Jesus who knows you, knows your name, knows where you live, knows your address, knows your cell phone number, knows everything about you. You cannot hide anything about you from him. He knows you, and for you, for you, he enters in through the veil. You say, what is that veil? That is that veil in which God lives in the Holy of Holies, in which he is the only one that has access to it. And he goes into that through the veil. Why? Why? For you. To give you a hope in that truth or an expectancy in that truth that whatever God has said to you is truth and he is in behind the veil in the presence of God to express your faith before God so that you can have hope which will anchor your soul in God which will anchor your mind the way you think, your emotions the way you feel, and make you make the right choices. Well, I have so, we, we used the statistic the other day, or this evening, about so many people uh, leaving the church, six out of every ten. Well, we're going to get them all back. You say, well, we're going to believe God that how the enemy has cut the anchor to their soul, that by the Holy Ghost, prayer, intercession, and us loving them, we're going to bring it back and tie that rope back together so that they'll start thinking right, they'll start feeling right, and they'll start making the right choices. Amen. They've lost the reality of having a Savior that loves them so much that He was not only willing to die for them and raise from the dead, but He was also willing to enter into the Holy of Holies in an eternal ministry of intercession for us, coming to God for us or on our behalf. To do what? To establish that truth that God is in us. So that when people see us, they see God. Amen? You say, what do you mean by that? Every character of that which God produces in you, beginning with salvation, and all of a sudden, you change. You're, that behavioral change that your salvation dictates. That's why, look, we've said it for several years, get right and stay right. Quit drifting back 
to the way of the world and the world. It only makes you miserable. And it makes all of those around you that you're trying to influence doubt your God. Well, if they can't live for God, my God, what am I going to do? Amen? Your greatest witness is not what you say. Your greatest witness is what you do. Amen? And a lot of people, they think wrong. They feel wrong. They make wrong decisions. And they're looking for people who think right, who feel right, and make right decisions so that they can follow them in. Follow them in to the place of finding this wonderful person of the Lord Jesus Christ who loves you and cares for you and has supplied healing, salvation, deliverance, prosperity, joy, peace, righteousness, all these wonderful things, these attributes of deity so that we through the precious promises of God might be partakers of the divine nature and have a what? A hope or an expectancy. That's why when I hear, I hear certain teachings about things that have not happened yet. It always causes my, if it, if, it, if it witnesses with the word, it causes my spirit to leap. And I heard a guy teaching the other day. And he was teaching on the rapture of the church. And I liked it because I believe that the church isn't going to go through any judgment. You say, why? God's already poured out all the judgment on his body. He's going to. He did that 2,000 years ago. Why would he judge his body twice? Amen. So this guy was teaching along those lines. I thought it was good. He had had some revelation, but he had had a dream. This is what really motivated him to teach on the subject because he said, I was just a regular Christian going to a church, could care less about, you know, ministry or anything. And then God gave me this dream, and this dream wouldn't leave me. He said, I'd have it night after night after night. And he said, the dream was of the rapture. And he said, he said it was like he was here and the rapture had taken place. And he said, what was amazing is that as, as, the, as, the, as the nation, as the, as, the, as the media, as everyone tried to come, he says, the number one thing, and I'd never thought about this. That's why I liked his teaching. He said, what really caused the greatest turmoil around the world is that all the babies disappeared. All the toddlers disappeared. Now, this is what he said. He said, they started having babies again after the rapture. But he said, all the innocent little children, they all disappeared. Well, you think about causing panic. My goodness, that'll do it right there. Amen. So we must understand there are events coming. We may be right on the precipice of it. It may be within the next year, the next two years, the next five years that that eastern sky will split. We'll hear the sound of a trumpet, the voice of the archangel, and we'll be all caught up. Jesus won't come back to the earth then, but we will go up to meet him in the clouds. Amen. And everybody gets to be on the rapture. You say what? If they're in heaven, they come down. If they're on earth, they go up, and we all meet in the sky. Amen. Isn't that great? Well, when you realize that, what does that do? Every time you hear that, which is correct, that which is right, that which is truth, it makes your soul, it makes your mind, it makes your emotions, it stimulates you to do what? To keep that anchor sure. Because you know that you will be involved in future events that only God can do. But in the meantime, what do you do? You keep that anchor sure by recognizing you serve a God that has no capacity in Him at all to lie. You say, why not? He is truth. He is truth. It is as much of His identity as whatever else you can identify Him in or with. 
He is truth. Jesus said, I'm the way. Everybody say, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. Now, let me, let, let me close with this. I'm three minutes over. This will be my last closing. And I'm not lying. Religion has moved more and more toward Jesus being only our example. Now, I, I never realized, because I was not raised in religion, I was raised in a move of God. And I was in 1988, I forget where the Olympics were. I think they were in L.A., I'm not sure. In 1988, in September, the Summer Olympics were winding up, and I was flying out to Idaho to preach a revival meeting. And they had little TVs there. Oh, they were little. I mean, maybe 19-inch screens. And that nice, comfortable chair. You could put a quarter in them. And I wanted to watch the Olympics. Well, I started putting quarters in this TV and got me about, oh, I don't know, 30 minutes going on. And they only had three channels. One was the Olympics. Another was some movie going on. And the other one was the Mormons were having their annual convention in Salt Lake City at the Mormon Temple. And it was being televised. Now, this guy got up and preached this tremendous message on Jesus. But he ended it by saying this. He was only our example. And when he said that, I hollered at the TV. No, he wasn't. He was our substitute. But as people get away from the revelation of the truth, they get away from that which Christ has done for us or redemptive truth. And they begin to say things like, he was only our example. How in the world are you going to follow his example if he's not your substitute? You're not going to get anybody saved, healed, touched, blessed. You're not going to have any of the character of Christ in you until he becomes your substitute. He takes your iniquity. He takes your sin. He takes your sickness. He takes everything wrong with you and gives you everything right with him. Amen. Amen. So as people go further, I heard some guy teaching a Methodist pastor, another guy that was a, another denominational pastor teaching some things the other day, and that's exactly how they taught it, very much referring to you have to, you have to follow his benevolence. Oh, they make it sound so flowery. You know, they have very professional voices. You have to follow his benevolence. You follow his kindness. You follow his servitude. And, and you'll be a good person. And when you die, you'll go to heaven. Well, you better follow his work on the cross. You better see that his cross was your cross, his grave was your grave, his punishment was your punishment, and his resurrection is your resurrection. And before you ever follow his example, you have to receive him as a substitute. And if you do that, you're born again. Amen? Isn't God good? Lift your hands and thank him. Father, we thank you. Praise God. You've been sitting up there that whole time, Frank? I wish I'd known that. I'd have turned around and preached to you a little bit. I thought you was back with the youth. Hallelujah. Everybody stretch your hands toward Brother Frank. Say this. Say, thank you, Father. Frank's leg is healed supernaturally. Next time he goes to the doctor, they're going to say, wow, your leg is healed. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet. Father, we thank you tonight for your word, your grace, your anointing, your power, your blessing. And we thank you that you are the truth. You are the truth. And because you are the truth, we thank you, Father. No matter what the facts are, the truth will set us free. Father, as we leave tonight, we thank you for the truth of your word when it comes to protection and safety. We thank you no evil befalls us, no plague comes nigh our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. We thank you that we as your people walk upon serpents, scorpions, over all power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means harm us. Thank you in our travels, the airways, the seaways, the railways, the highways. 
the righteous labor of our hands, no matter where it may be, no matter what we may do. Thank you that we are the blessed of God, kept, protect, protected, and safe in Jesus' name. Thank you for a door of utterance. Let us be blessings to people, an answer to their prayer. Let us be bearers of your truth, bearers of Jesus, of that name, of that goodness, and of that grace. Lord, as we leave tonight, we walk in faith and love towards you. We walk in love toward one another. We thank you, Father, that we are the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. That here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.